0: John chapter 6. We're going to read from that just to begin our time. John chapter 6. Wait for me. You excited about this? You, I mean, you know what's going to, what we're going to hear in the last 20 minutes. Next 20 minutes will change your life. I'm serious. It'll change your life. We have to repeat these things again and again, and and I'm finding that uh, as I press in as well, I'm seeing some stuff that I I just haven't clicked on before, and I get quite excited by it, because life is a challenge. And you keep saying, God, why, why, why? And uh, there's this ongoing, uh, he's, he's, he's continually trying, I think, to just say, let me teach you. But then walk into it and I'll show you more. I won't show you if you sit in the library. I'll show you if you walk through it with your life. And so we're going to think about faith. And, you know, God said Jesus talked about faith and faith the size of a mustard seed. It's really small, a mustard seed. So he's really going, you know, this relationship we have, I'm not really backing you too much. I'm actually taking responsibility for most of it. So all I'm asking you to do is jump into my hand with a seed of faith the size of a mustard seed. So you don't need a lot. So everybody who turned up here today has already demonstrated faith the size of a mustard seed. All right. You look happy about that. All right. <laughs> Trying to encourage you, but obviously not. John six twenty five. Jesus had just gone. He had fed the five thousand. He had walked on water. In, all this the disciples saw. And they found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? He must have smiled sometimes at the questions, I think. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him the God, the Father, has placed his seal of approval. When they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? This is just after he's fed five thousand and walked on water. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And Father, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes and ears to hear what you were talking about there in new ways. I'd like... uh, all the elders who are here and all the council members who are here to come up, please. They have no idea why I'm asking them this. They're probably going, oh, shoot, he's getting me into trouble again. But I'm not. You all look so serious. Um, Fred, do you want to go and get that packet, please? This is a fun thing you're going to do together. It's a fun thing you're going to do. I spent $90 on this demonstration. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So I want you to give everybody a chocolate. They're good chocolates. And I want you to take, if there's anybody who's gone to Sunday school and is part of your family, then you can keep one for them and you're going to give it to them later. But this is for adults. That's why I didn't do it with the children here. This is a really important thing. So I want you to just go around and see if those are enough. You can help David with because you 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 know if you eat them, you don't know how to. Well, you have got to open it first. Yeah, I didn't do that. For so, and so you, you can take take a chocolate for yourself, and if somebody's in Sunday school teaching or not, then uh, uh, take some for them. And when you get it, um, I'd like you just to open it up and eat it. They're really nice chocolates, I think, these ones. Yes, thank you. Have you got to one? Oh, we'll give it to your daughter then. you got to have one. you got to keep one. You can't keep one to give to so somebody didn't come here this morning, eh? That's not part of the deal. If you don't eat chocolate, then just take it and give it to somebody else. But you need to take one. And then, yeah, church, yeah, we'll, we'll do anything to get you here. Um, and then bring the rest back so we can share some with Parksville tonight. Oh, there's more. Make sure you've got one yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what's this all about? Let's just, let's just shove them up here. That's fine. Thank you. Have you had one? You got one? Only one, Fred alright, yeah, there you go eat the chocolates in the psalm it says taste and see that the Lord is good I spent not boasting about this but it only occurred to me afterwards actually, I'm a bit slow mmm I could eat a whole box of these (laughs) taste and see that the Lord is good I spent $90 on this. The chocolate you're holding or you're eating, you've just swallowed, it cost me $90. It cost me $90 because I couldn't come here and give one of you a chocolate. It was either everybody or nobody. And it struck me that's what Jesus did too. He said, I've given my life. And it's either everybody or nobody. Because they're going to have favorites. And Jesus said, I am, if he was here today, maybe say, I am the chocolate of life. How difficult was it to share the chocolates? How difficult was it to receive them? How difficult was it to enjoy them? And Jesus says, You know, that's me. And you could go out into the marketplace, you could go anywhere, and take a box of chocolates and dish them out, and people would look at you suspicious and say, What's the catch? You say, No, just have one. That's called evangelism. It's real simple. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Wonder if, as we sit here today, we know that He is good. Or when did we last taste? It's real difficult to have faith if you haven't tasted and seen today. Jesus says, I am the chocolate of life, I am the bread of life, I am to be experienced because that's what brings you life. Jesus did not promise a wrapper. He said, you need to take hold of what I give you, open it up, and take it in. And then you will know. That's the kingdom of heaven on earth. Taste and see. If you want faith, taste and see. That is very good news. Jesus said a lot of things, like "I am the bread of life," "I am, I am water," "I'm you know the streams of living water will flow out of you." He says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I bring you joy. I bring you peace." All of the things that Jesus offers are taste and see things. They're not just in the head; they are in the heart. And we diminish experience. We diminish personal. Experience at our peril. And God is very into saying, I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I am sweet. I'm wanting to know that I delight in you. Now. In Hebrews, Chapter 11, that was read for us earlier, is an amazing phrase. It's easy to miss it. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain what we do not see. We know that one. We say it quite a lot, and that's, it's true. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You don't need faith for something that you can see, because it's there. So you need faith for things that you don't see yet. This is what the ancients were commended by, for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That is the key phrase to the kingdom of heaven. Please, please listen to that. It is totally counter to where we live what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you get that? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. This is a principle. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That could describe my life. Sometimes. Chaos. Darkness emptiness, formless and a lot of hovering and God said let there be light and there was light God said let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water and almost in every verse after that it says and it was so God spoke and creation came into being it's remarkable it's totally different to where we come from. And what was not visible was made visible by the word of God being spoken. You with me? Anybody here? It's cool. Jesus came into the world. The word of God made flesh. That word from the created the beginning of creation came into the world visible Out of the invisible as truth. Human being as God created him to be in perfection. His son. Out of the invisible into the visible. God's word made flesh. He became as we are so that we would understand who we were called to be. Before sin had separated us from him. When sin separated us from him, what happened? Our world ceased to be in the kingdom of heaven. Our world became this planet. And our world became totally identified with the visible, the tangible. What you can smell, touch, feel, hear, walk upon. That is Egypt, as we've talked about before. The natural world. The visible world is Egypt or God's creation gone wrong and apart from him in many ways. And God's truth in Jesus was the invisible world becoming visible, quite remarkable, quite unbelievable. And Jesus, when he came into ministry and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and God said this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased demonstrated that the core of Jesus life on this earth was rooted in relationship with the father all his power all his strength all his everything he did came out of that relationship and Jesus began to walk through this earth in Israel and he began to roll away the visible by the power of the invisible So where there was tangible sickness, he said, in in God's name, be healed. Where there was uh, storms on the water, in God's name, be still. He demonstrated the power of the invisible in the invisible, invisible realm. And the people in the visible realm couldn't understand that. They'd never seen anything like it before. It was totally remarkable. The kingdom of heaven on earth, demonstrating heaven on earth, Like it's never been seen before. The power of God's Spirit encountering the power of darkness on earth. And Jesus said, When you I do what I do I do what I do, my Father tells me to do. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen God. Taste and see what you see in me, I am the chocolate of life, is sweet and kind and gracious and powerful, very powerful. And my authority is without question. I can say, die and you will die. I can say, rise and you will rise. I can say, be still and you will be still. I can do whatever the Father gives me to do. I'm not to be trifled with. I could scare you to death, but I actually want to love you to life. And the people in the world could not cope with this intangible reality of the kingdom. Because love expressed, it threatened them. And Satan managed to kill them as well. And so at the end of Mark and at the end of some of the Gospels, Jesus, in the visible, submits to the power of the visible. And the most dramatic thing that the visible can do to another visible creation is to kill it. To torture it and kill it. And so Jesus, the invisible word made flesh, when was visible, went to the cross visibly and died visibly and bled visibly, was crucified with nails and suffered. And God was saying through the visible, take me to the furthest extreme that you can. Kill me. And they killed him and they put him in a grave. And the disciples, like us, would say, that's the end of it. It was a wonderful story, the best time of my life. I'll talk about this to my grandchildren. When God came in this person, Jesus, and did wonderful things. And then we screwed it up and we killed him. And three days later, Mary and some friends went to care for the body because that's all they could do a visible expression of something, their grief. And the stone was rolled away. And for the first time in history, the body was not there. And then, out of the invisible, the visible reappeared. Jesus alive. And he said, You can touch me. I'm not a ghost. You can't kill me. I'm God. And my reality is rooted in the invisible. All you did was kill my body that was on earth. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm demonstrating to you something that is absolutely unique and remarkable. It's not in any other religion. It's not in any other place in the world. God's son killed and raised from the dead. And now he's here saying, now what? Now, what you' you going to do? Because you can't touch me. And I could kill you now for insubordination and arrogance. I could kill you now for your attitude. I could kill you now because you backed the wrong horse. You remember you asked for justice, I'll give you justice, and you're the first one to die. But I did say when I was alive that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am grace, and I am mercy, and I am kindness. I am the bread of life. I am the chocolate of life. Taste and see that I am good. I am not like you. And so out of the invisible, the resurrection came, and the spirit was thrown out, poured out. And God said, you can follow me in a different way. You can become different people if you allow the invisible presence of me to be brought out in you and you learn to live life from a different place that's what the kingdom of heaven is about that's what the good news is about and so faith is about learning how to walk with Jesus from the invisible to the visible are you with me? or is this complicated? You have the resurrection, or you have the, 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 uh, the place where Jesus died. Look at it this way. Everything around us, including ourselves, whether it's our homes, whether it's us, whether it's everything we make, create. As soon as it's created, what happens? What's the pain in the neck of this building or of, of us? They all need maintenance. They all need to be looked after because we're always fighting decay. We're always fighting decay. Everything created by human beings decays. It gets broken down, it gets buried, it gets destroyed eventually. It does not last. The principle of the kingdom of this earth is death eventually. The kingdom of heaven is entirely the opposite. The kingdom of heaven starts at death and brings life. That's what the resurrection is. So the place where we actually come alive is the place where we're willing to die. When we're willing to lay down and give up, God will raise up. The kingdom of heaven always works opposite to the kingdom of this earth. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 6:33, He says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything else will be brought to you. Or ask anything in my name. And we say we pray in the name of Jesus, and he'll give you anything you ask. What we miss is that most of us often are praying for him to reorganize Egypt. And he says, that my, if you pray for my kingdom, you're going to pray for the invisible things. You see, the things that the human being cry, cries out for, what are they? At the end of the day, they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You want more money so that you can have more security. Security is invisible. All the things that actually you crave inside are invisible. They are even the ego is invisible it's how you feel about yourself even fallen people people who don't know god actually are designed to crave what god has made them to be they just try to look for it in the wrong place and so one of the re- you know if you go behind every addiction you will find there's a there's a there's a desire for something that then makes you a slave But if you go underneath that addiction, you'll go, I just want to be loved. I just want to know peace. I just want to not have the voices in my head. Or whatever it is, they're invisible. Because God's life ultimately is spirit. And life is spirit. And if our lives are spent merely rearranging the visible, we will never find peace. And our faith is a, is a very rocky thing. It won't be strong. I'm trying to give a picture of something out of which faith emerges. Let's see a... Um, th- there's a little clip that I, I asked Jean to, to just get ready that um, Reinhard Bonker in one of his series just uh, uh, puts out there that might be interesting. Julia can enjoy this. It's a visit to your home. It's press on Russia. I think that's Russian that's not the uh, clip
1: God does not guarantee us everlastingly
0: calm it's not seas the uh, and prosperous clip. voyages well we'll get there just, Even just the Apostle Paul. it's on the menu sub-menu Russia doesn't make sense what I'm trying to say it's totally opposite of where we live because we look at our circumstances and those are our reality and if we look at Jesus and see what is the reality that he calls into being that's why he's the rock he, ch- he doesn't change he's not changed by our circumstances he's not changed by our emotions he's not changed by our lives so what we have to learn to do is to say walk alongside Jesus and say Jesus What are you doing now? What are you saying now? But I won't walk alongside a Jesus who isn't the chocolate of life for me. I'll walk alongside him when it's convenient. And I won't walk alongside a Jesus I haven't experienced. Because then what I'll do is I'll project onto him my issues. Or he'll just become somebody who does whatever I want him to do. And so God's spirit draws us into another place where he says, my ways are not your ways. It's very encouraging if we get it. Because he's actually saying, I am actually better news than your news. And the way you get faith, and we'll talk about this next week, is you build your relationship with Jesus. You don't have to conjure it up. You just keep company with him and see what happens. So it doesn't look like we're going to uh, get uh, the, the trip to Russia, but never mind. Well, if you get there, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. That's okay. Listen to what Jesus says in John 6, verse 63. He's told the disciples, some disciples and people are listening to him, some pretty tough things. And he says in verse 63, he says, The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to your spirit and they are life. Think about um, what Jesus says in his teaching. It's quite unique in Christianity. Jesus' teaching is all revolves around him saying, Come to me. Come to me. You who are heavy laden, come to me, you who are weary. Have you ever noticed that Satan never says, come to me? Have you ever s- noticed that Satan never says, come to me? Why? Because if we came to him, we would run a mile. He cannot present himself. He can masquerade as an angel of light, but if you really came to him, his true colors would be revealed. And so God says, come to me, and Satan, what does he do? Because he can't say, come to me, he says, look at all this stuff. And so he puts attention on the outward things, whereas Jesus calls attention on the inward things. Are you ready to go? There we go. Well done. Thank you for persevering. Can you turn the music up a little bit or the sound? Do you recognize that, Julia? It's Moscow, is it?
1: All Christian witness aims to do two things. To speak of things that are real and to demonstrate. The more I read John's gospel, the clearer those aims become. Preaching the gospel makes the gospel happen. The gospel is a news creator. You preach the good news, and good news happens. How explain John talks a great deal about water, as we shall see. Water is described chemically as H2O. Two parts of hydrogen and one part oxygen, two gases. Mix them together in a container and all you get is gas. The gases are invisible and it is almost possible to believe they are not there. Many think that this is what preaching is, mm-hmm. talk, hot air, gas. <laughs> We talk about things that unbelieving people cannot see and which they don't think of as being real. Now, apply an electric spark to your mixture of hydrogen and oxygen. The gases immediately explode and become water. The invisible becomes visible, real. That is how it happens with preaching. You can present the gospel truths talking until you are blue in the face, but without the touch of the Holy Spirit, these glorious truths will remain hidden, unreal, incomprehensible to unbelievers. The Holy Spirit provides the spark that ignites your words and the gospel suddenly becomes the water of life. But the gospel has no power to change lives until you preach it. Then, with the assistance from the Spirit of God, the gospel becomes the power of God unto salvation. Mm -hmm. Now we come to four Kingdom principles of great significance for all Christian work. The first one is Jesus can only be What you preach him to be Jesus waits for us to say What he is Preach him as the savior And he saves If you don't He can't Preach him as a healer And he heals If you don't He won't Preach him as a forgiver or as the giver of peace, then he can be these things to those who hear. Preach the gospel, and the gospel happens.
0: Just let that go on so Julia can get homesick. That's from her hometown, if Moscow is a town.
1: And now number two.
0: Thank you. God's
1: sovereign Now we can't
0: turn anymore? Okay, yeah, thank you. Just taking that, that one simple illustration of the spark that ignites gases, that makes the invisible visible. There are many illustrations in our lives where we can see something of that the way we use our cell phones, catching invisible to enable the visible to happen. And that's how God wants to work in your life and my life. That's what will release testimony. The tasting and seeing. How does that explosion happen? Well, we are the container in which the gases flow. This is really, really, this is the sort of tasting and seeing And for many of us, we're not tasting and seeing because we keep it up here in our heads. And when God wants to work in our hearts, we shut it down. Anybody experience that? You don't come too close because you're scared of losing control. The reality is that in Egypt you've already lost control. You're a prisoner. Because fear is a prison guard. And the interesting thing is that Jesus is continually passing out the chocolates of life to us and we're continually saying, No, I'm scared because I've been disappointed before. And he's saying to us, Let me teach you how to trust me again. Or maybe for the first time. But unless you taste and see, unless you experience me, you will never have any strength to do anything that's significant. You'll live in fear and frustration. Unless you learn that the invisible is your basis for truth. You will be stuck in the definition of the visible. You will define your life for what's happened to you. You'll define your life for what's not happened to you. You'll define your life by the, by the career that you have or you don't have, by the money you have or you don't have, by the faults you've ha- made or you haven't made. It will all be defined by Egypt, and it's not a good definition. And that's why when Jesus comes into the room with you, the first thing he says is, Welcome home, my daughter, my son. The first thing you feel is, Oh my God, I didn't think it would be this cool. You cannot come home to the Father without being tear-stained. You can't do it. How does that work? It works by listening to what's inside me. And what bubbles up inside me is in a sense, let's say I have fear inside me. And Jesus has come and you go, I'm afraid. So that's the one gas, if you will. God's love gas comes in. It says, don't be afraid. And if you allow his love to come toward you, the Holy Spirit will ignite it. And that fear will be cast out and that love will become visible. The key is that you start walking into what you can't yet see. So I wonder what's going on in your lives right now. To be really practical, what's going on in your life right now? What is something that you don't believe you'll ever get over? Something that you would cry out for and you go, but it's not possible. Well, that's the first encouraging word. Find something that you don't think is possible and bring it to God. Maybe it's, let's take, I'm looking for a job and it's just difficult. I don't, uh, I don't feel I can get anything. I'm discouraged. And you bring that up into the container, as it were, and God, and God comes in and says, what about trust? What about I will look after you? Receive my trust for you. Receive, I had to do this for a year God said to me, Go back into ministry, said, ministry and said, Start walking. Now, to walk and trust what I couldn't see and couldn't see any way of seeing how it would work out. But if you start, and that's what He's been teaching me over the last four years, He said, You start walking into what I am promising, and what was invisible and impossible will begin to be possible. I will ignite it by my Spirit. But if you wait until you say, well, I won't do it until you show me, Lord, you'll be here in five years waiting for the same thing. Because the kingdom of heaven doesn't work like that. Do you get me? So God's promise to you this morning is a very real one. Just like these chocolates. He is offering you the, the invisible reality and answer to your tangible cry in your life right now, whatever that is. And you can say to him, Please change my circumstances, kill off my family so I can have peace. Or you can say, give me the spirit of Jesus that I might be the person you want me to be in this place. I'm not running from these things anymore. And Jesus says, I am the way that you will find this stuff, no other place. So receive his love, receive his strength, receive what he gives invisibly. And he says, my kingdom is here, receive it. But I don't feel anything, it doesn't matter. Bring the two together. Bring your incompleteness and receive His completeness. Let the Holy Spirit ignite it and then say, Lord, I'm trusting you. That's faith for what is not yet fully here. See what happens. You will have testimonies. I promise you. That's why we read the scriptures to find out how God thinks, how He interacts, and what His promises are. You bring His scriptures and His promises into your life, you bring your struggles into your heart you let the holy spirit ignite them and change takes place that's what it means when the kingdom of heaven is here let's stand and pray for that shall we pretend you that little gas jar and Come to Jesus yourself and and, and taste and see. Maybe maybe for some of us, we just need to actually find Jesus again. Maybe for some of us, we just actually need to say, Jesus, I've got this empty wrapper, and every time I talk about you, I'm talking about the taste I had ten years ago. But I don't really have the reality of your presence in my heart and life. I don't trust your love. I just got this old wrapper. And he comes to you today and says, I give you a new presence. I give you myself again. Taste and see. I am life. I am the chocolate of life. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. If you want faith for your life, then come back to me. What do you do with that? You come to the cross, you bring him your repentance, which says, I'm sorry for my rebellion. He brings you his forgiveness. The Holy Spirit ignites it and you have new life. It's grace. Maybe you come to him with a sickness. You've learned to live with a sickness and you go, Lord, in this place I'm just sick. He says, well, why did not you bring your sickness to me today? Let me bring you my healing from the kingdom of heaven. Let the Holy Spirit ignite healing. What we are learning to do through our worship and through our words. You see, God's words brought things to be. That's how the kingdom works. God created by saying, let it be. So when we declare words over ourselves and over others, like, Lord, in your name I release healing in the name of Jesus, we're declaring the truth of the kingdom into the intangible kingdom and believing something impossible to be happening because of the Holy Spirit. So I'm encouraging you this morning to reach out into the invisible kingdom of heaven and draw back into your life what God gives you. Even if you can't see it or feel it. But he has a chocolate that's just for you. That he wants you to taste and see so that you know, that you know, that you know that he is real for you. Because he knows that when you know that, your faith will rise and other things will open up. But nobody else can eat your chocolate. And he paid a huge price for that. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you ignite the prayers that are being prayed right now. I pray that you ignite and spark the things that are being brought to you right now. And that you would take out of the invisible and make them visible in our lives this week. That you are faithful. That you are strong. That you are kind. That you are good. Let him change you. Let him change you. Don't be afraid. Just receive. Taste and see. Receive. Thank you, Lord. So whatever, whatever you've given him, just thank him. Thank him that he is faithful. Thank you that he has heard you. And Father, I pray that over this next week you will open our eyes and our ears to see the visible, to see what you are doing. Pray that you will release in us the reality of what we've talked about. That our faith will rest on your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. As we come and break bread together, let that be.